0: And and that's what I want to talk about today. Uh, Two weeks ago, uh, I made an appeal to you all that uh, the Lord doesn't give us any room to conceive of a church as a building. Like The church is not a building on 4th Street that we go to. It's not an event on Sunday that we attend. But rather that again and again, when we look at the New Testament and what Jesus and his apostles say, that we see them defining the church in terms of people and a family the Lord uses pictures of marriage, of households, a household of brothers and sisters under the fatherhood of God, that that's what a church is. And and I sought to show you how the one another's, these myriad commands in the New Testament calling for us to love each other in all kinds of ways, that they really go hand in hand with this picture of the church as a family, as a loving family living out their life in Christ together. So if last week was this or two weeks ago, was this big picture attempt to help us see the church as, in Peter's words, the household of the living God. Today is gonna be an attempt to talk about, practically speaking, ways and methods and principles that help us live out familyhood that God has given us. And and a big qualifier I just wanna keep repeating as we talk about some of these things today. Much of the methods and the structures that we'll talk about today and that we'll talk about next week, Lord willing, things like how often uh, believers should meet together, or the right apportionment of time for prayer, or for sharing uh, the word, or or things like the size of a group of believers who gather for discipling one another, or the idea of a, of a commitment timeline, and how long you should commit to meet or rhythm if you all do that. It's, it's all optional, okay? It's all optional. Years ago, in our church uh, membership agreement, we, we had a a requirement that if you were going to be part of our church, you'd be part of our small group or our, our care group ministry, that everybody in the church who's going to be a member had to be part of a care group ministry. And as, as we went through all kinds of different changes, one of the things that, that occurred to, to us is that um, we don't want to tell people that they have to do something to be a member in a church that the Bible doesn't tell them they have to do. So if, if Jesus tells you you have to be in a care group, then that would be one thing. But he doesn't tell you that. So we, we didn't want to be part of a church adding extra requirements to what God says to do. There are things that Jesus and the apostles say we should be doing clearly as a church that aren't really negotiables. But there's a ton of things that we do as a church that are negotiables. And we want to always separate those things. Okay, So, so that's the big qualifier I want to repeat. You're not going to find anything in the New Testament calling you to do relationships like the way I might offer to you. Um... You you won't find anything in the New Testament calling you to this size or pray at this time or use these sermon questions or use this Tim Keller Bible study. To a great degree, you are free to come up with your own methods and ways that you think suit your life and the gifts you have and the time you have and responsibilities you have to care for other people. It's optional. But here's what isn't optional. Here's what isn't optional. What isn't optional is that we're called to point each other towards Jesus. Jesus not an option for believers in a church how how much what ways that's optional but no we want to be doing that we're called to that we're called to speak his truth to each other in loving ways we're called to pray for each other we're called to share our joys our sorrows at times even our sins or even our goods with each other those are not methods techniques techniques and strategies, those are commands and principles that Jesus calls all of us to in different ways, led by his spirit, by our own conscience. <clears throat> and so, these principles and commands, these one another's, these non optional things like the optional, uh, the, these, these, these non optional things, they're supposed to be things that methods and structures further and facilitate. So, so we. I just want you to get that straight. What is optional and can vary and look all kinds of ways, and that nobody should judge each other about. You know, I, I've had to rebuke myself. Like when when I um, felt the Lord leading me to come up with this structure for discipling one another, I, I do think there were times where, where I could be looking. Oh man, if somebody was in a DR, it made me excited. If somebody wasn't a DR, I, 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 maybe I asked questions. And there might have been times or ways that I could think you know why aren't they doing that and then it starts to creep into like judgment and that's just there's just no place for that so god doesn't command you to be in a discipleship group the way that i might envision it or maybe even not a discipleship group in any way that somebody might envision it but god does command you to pursue one another he does command you to come to to watch over and love and care for one another for his sake and for the good of others in him so a, a discipleship relationship structure can be, and may not be, but can be a, a wise way to do that. And one of the ways I, tr- I, I thought about trying to make sure that you got this clear, this, and this is, you can tell this is really important to me that, that we get this clear, but one of the ways is thinking of a trellis and a vine. A trellis and a vine. Can we put the next uh, slide up, Ed? Thank you. Think of a trellis and a vine. A trellis is this wooden structure that you see, and the vine is the green stuff growing over it. Trellises can look all kinds of ways, okay? If you're really trying to grow a fruitful, healthy vine, though, a trellis can be invaluable. But it has no value in itself. It has value for the vine. So our methods, the ways living out the one another's, they don't have value in themselves. They're there so the vine of fellowship, the vine of loving one another, that can receive the sun and the rain and the fruit and the flower can grow from infancy to maturity. No gardener worth his or her salt would show you their glorious trellis painted beautifully white with intricate wood carvings ornate and expertly designed while the vine lays on the ground in the sludge all sickly gray, half buried and half alive. No, because the trellis isn't there for the glory of the trellis. It's there for the good of the vine. But on the other hand, no gardener would look at the graying, sick, half alive vine and let it stay on the ground if a trellis was available, to give it the support and the platform it needed to better reach the sun and the rain and bear fruit. So in this metaphor, the vine is our life together in Christ, living out all these one another's. And the methods are different ways the churches try to create uh, more effective means of doing that. Small groups, disciples groups, Tuesday night prayer meetings. The Bible says very little about optional trellis stuff. There is some of what we call trellis stuff that is clearly going on in the New Testament. Structures and methods that God calls us to that aren't optional. Uh, Being a visible member of a local church, that's pretty clear from scripture. Having elders who teach the church, that's pretty clear. Meeting for communion, that's pretty clear. Gathering together uh, on the Lord's Day and not neglecting each other and meeting together. Some of these might be called trellis stuff structures, but, but much of the trellis stuff the churches do in the world and have done with regard to the one another's Small groups community groups, the word of God doesn't tell us about that. I, you guys are probably getting the point right now, are you? You're like, Albert, move on. I feel that as I'm reading this. <laughs> Albert, move on. When I was writing it, it was wonderful. Now it sounds super redundant. We don't want to be a church that glories in trellises. We don't want to spend most of our time talking trellis talk. We want to glory in the rain and the sun, the spirit and Jesus and rejoice in the growth of the vine. Ways that God is showing himself to us. But every once in a while, we have to talk trellis. I think it's good to talk trellis. Um, maybe a couple of Sundays a year. And th- that's what we're doing today and next week too. So, um, and, and we're also going to talk about principles, biblical wisdom. And what I want to do today and next time is I want to offer you all two optional methodologies for our church. Now you get the idea of optional, right? These things can work together to help us live out our one another's. um, And also another methodology to make those one another's inviting to those outside our church. So I've kind of had this vision for the last couple years of this growing sense of, like, what would be a couple of good ways to both disciple each other and then to also make ourselves visible make our fellowship with each other visible to those outside the church to bring them in and care for them. And so one is this thing I've called discipleship groups that we've been running for a couple years and the other is this other idea that's related to it called community groups. That's kind of like, and care groups have kind of been over the years have tried to historically do both things. They've tried to be intimate places for committed discipleship of one another and they've also tried to be like the, the place where you can invite newcomers and and I think it's good for a couple of reasons to kind of think of there's different ways to do those things. And so discipleship group is small, intimate, commitment-oriented. Community group, in, in my mind, is less formal, less commitment-oriented, less frequent. And, and so I'm going to talk about and more available to those outside our church. So I'm going to get into that. Today it's going to be deception groups, and then next week we'll finish that, and then we'll talk a little bit about community groups. Community groups borrow a lot from deception groups and then do things that are easier to explain. So um, that's that's the idea. Um, So after all that, take a look at your big sheet, and I'm going to walk you guys through this and say some things, and... I'm going to really work hard to get you guys out of here in a little bit. It is not—let me just say, too, like, it is not my favorite thing to go through sheets of paper and walk you through them. I like preaching the Bible. So that's why I said that thing about we don't want to glory in trellises, okay? This isn't something that we normally do here. And if you were in a church that did that, talked about methods and all that stuff all the time, didn't talk about the Bible— you should go talk to the people who lead the church and say, everything's backwards, okay? So normally what we do, Jennifer, for new people, is, uh, is we preach the Bible. We preach the Bible. And we're going to look at some Bible, but we're going to spend two weeks on this structure stuff. So please bear with me as we do this. Uh, at the top of your sheet, you're going to see two commandments, uh, two verses. Uh, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I've loved you. Greater love has no one than this that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Jesus wants us to love each other. He wants his church to love the people in his church. That's his command to us. So I want to make that clear right up front. And this is a beautiful verse from Ecclesiastes that is so true. And so um, I've just experienced it so often in my life. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. It's the idea that, that we hold each other up. We have the power and the stewardship responsibility and the privilege to hold each other up. And um, that's what the groups are about. Uh, this is a kind of a, a vision that, that I've had um, and imported into this. Our desire at LHCC, this is the, uh, the shaded verbiage here, is to see everyone loving someone faithfully and everyone being loved by someone faithfully, all for the glory of Christ and the good of his church. It, isn't that just a really good goal for a church? That everybody in the church has someone that they're faithfully loving in an ongoing way, and everybody in the church is being loved by somebody in an ongoing way, faithfully, and that's that's what we want to be as a church. That's what I believe the Lord's calling us to. Um, and of course, this first section, part one, the basics. Um, I, I list all the love, love one another's to try to help us really feel the weight of how serious the Lord is in His Word about our relational commitments to each other, about what He wants from us. So go through that bulleted list. Love one another. We see that in all those passages. Be devoted to one another in love. Bear one another's burdens. Mourn with one another. Regard one another as more important than ourselves. Comfort one another. Gently and patiently be long-suffering with one another. Be kind, tender-hearted, and forgiving towards one another. For love's sake, speak the truth of God and Christ to one another. Spur one another on to love and good deeds. Do not neglect meeting with one another. Confess our sins to one another. Pray for one another fervently. Be ready to counsel one another. Help one another out of sin with gentleness. Build one another up with words from God. Serve one another in love. Show hospitality to one another. Share our goods with one another when in need. Admonish one another. Teach one another. Be honest with one another. Daily exhort one another. Rejoice with one another. Sing to one another. Encourage each other and build up one another. This is not an exhaustive list, but but look, 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 look. It requires that we are actually in relationship with one another. We literally cannot obey these commands that are given to the church if we don't give one another our time, our attention concerning our life in Christ. That's really what fellowship is: ongoing relationships centered on the goal of loving each other as Jesus called us to. That's what fellowship is. Ongoing relationships centered on the goal of loving each other as Jesus calls us to. And while the Bible gives no one-size-fits-all way or method for our fellowship, which is what I said to you in that whole long intro, a lot of times opportunities lie dormant for lack of vision and intentionality. Like like people just sometimes um, need help seeing where and how to do that. And that's one of the responsibilities I feel is is to try to make these pathways a little smoother for you guys. So this method, DR, is a very specific method. I want to talk about the specifics of it and then get to the principles, okay? Um, Small group, the DR idea, discipleship relationship, is conceived of as a small group of two to four people who commit to meet regularly in person, virtually or by phone, for an agreed-upon season and for the purpose of sharing three foundational Aspects of fellowship, life, truth, life, and prayer. Truth, life, and prayer. By truth, I mean that we reflect on God's word together. By life, I mean that we share our struggles and joys with one another. And by prayer, we ask God to help each other. Discipleship relationships, DR groups, are are meant to be intimate. So that's why two to four is recommended. A very small group of community believers who meet often can be a better environment for deeper friendships than a larger setting. Um, if you guys have been part of larger care groups, I, I had a care group at one point that was bigger than our whole church is right now in terms of functionally meeting. It was crazy. And and you could just come and be invisible and you could not show up the next time. And then you could show up a month later and you could spend a year in, in the care group and never talk or never be spoken to. Um, and so that's why a small group can be helpful. It can be harder to isolate or feel isolated in a group of two to four. Um, they're meant to be frequent and convenient. Uh, we've su- I've suggested that meeting times are weekly to every two weeks. Um, it seems like if you if you s- seek to try to meet each week, uh, you'll probably end up meeting every two weeks because everybody's so busy and there's always stuff that comes up. So, uh, for instance, my last d- uh, DR group was with Mark and uh, David and uh, Dave and Alyssa. Where are they? They're oh yeah here you guys. And so we were we were committed to meet each week, and we probably met every other week. I mean, there were, there were three weeks that would go by and we wouldn't meet. Just life is busy. So um, suggested meeting times, frequent, make it um, more likely. You know, relationships are, are really a function of, to some degree, a frequency of meeting with people. It's intimacy and really getting to know each other, really feeling cared for by each other, does have something to do with how often you can meet with one another. Suggested meeting times of one and a half to two hours. I'm going to go through some of this stuff really fast until we get to principles. DRs can meet at any agreed-on time or place, in person, virtually, or on the phone. We met most of our meetings virtually. Our better meetings, I think, were in person. For me, I think. But it was harder to do that. But I've had great times uh, virtually and felt God's grace. The DRs are conceived of as gender-specific, and this is really to help further spiritual intimacy and may, in some cases, mitigate against babysitting costs. Um, again, there's no rule in the Bible that says you can't be in a discipleship group with men and women, but it seems to me there's different reasons, and some of which you know I don't even have to say, that, that might make it spiritually safer or easier. Um, and also, again, if you're married, babysitting is often difficult. So there's that. They're also meant meant to be growth spurring. So um, particularly uh, the second bullet, multiplying by division. Um, Some DR groups end up being five or six and and you realize like it's great, it really works. But but it can also be like, oh, this is really hard and it might be a good time to think about splitting up or starting a new group. Um, And then they're also meant to be simple and accessible. We don't live in an age of great book reading <laughs> right now phones have destroyed much of our attention spans for book reading um and dr groups i, I think it, it's better to think of in order to make room for a lot of different levels of aptitude and uh for attention spans i, I really suggest trying to minimize any homework so outside preparation um I would discourage that unless you all mutually agree upon it. I mean, nobody has to not do the book you want to do. But I think in, in my experience, having a, a very small resource that you can come back to that's easy to um, you know, easy to just bring to the group and, um, and read there together has been, I think, more helpful than, than saying, let's all read chapter four of Desiring God and then come back and read it. And then you come together and... Half the people haven't read it. So you've just got to be really clear about what you're going to do and are you really going to be committed to it? Um, Because then it can just be uneven and discouraging for people who do show up. Uh, So I I just kind of called a spade a spade and said, let's try this with, let's suggest that people don't have a lot of extra homework to do outside the group but can read something together in the group or bring resources that are accessible. Um, You can read about how to start a DR right there on your own, Um, and then, of course, you can look at number four under how to start a DR. When you're starting a group, you don't want to just start with, hey, let's look at these Bible questions. And in any kind of beginning relational meeting, you want to start with who people are, what brought them, uh, what they're hoping God will do, um, where they are with the Lord, and you know anything they want to say to you. So you can look at those bullet points as well. Um, DRs are, are, like any other kind of structure, big or small, that needs some sort of leadership. So I call that a point person, The leader. The point person doesn't have to be a pastor or a teacher. They just need to be able to uh, keep the trains moving on time, keep people aware of meeting times and the resources you're doing. And um, and a little bit more we'll talk about later. But um, that can be anybody in the group, and they could do it the whole time, or they can take breaks doing it. So read through that if you're interested in DRs to try to get uh, into more about what happens there. Now I want to try to get into truth, life, and prayer. As we look at truth, life, and prayer, there's going to be um, some really good things to think about that, are, that, that will apply to whatever you do, whether you're in a DR or you're just trying to be a brother or sister to somebody in a less formal way. These things are going to, a lot of this stuff will have resonance. So in the DR envisionment, I conceived of these three things, truth, life, and prayer. And by the way, when I say I conceived, I studied a lot of different discipleship group methodologies uh, for a long season uh, before I came up with this. So I, it's not like I was like, oh, truth, life, and prayer are my own. It, it just, I can't remember why I settled on truth, life, and prayer. But that's, <laughs> that's what a lot of groups, in one way or another, focus on. And I think you'll see that. It's intuitive that truth, life, and prayer would be central to fellowship. Um, so let's talk about them, and then we'll... Um, we're going to get through truth, and then I'm going to let you go. We'll get through as much as we can of truth here. For first truth, I remember when I was in college, and I was part of this uh, this church's fellowship method. I think it was called Witness. But we would meet, you know, Wednesday nights in dorms, and it was very much like, "How are you doing?" And then let's pray and goodbye. And it was good. Let me put it this way. It was better than nothing. But there was no component of truth in in the meeting that I can remember. And and I I think the church I was in discouraged Bible study. Um, It was an ancient church tradition. I'm not going to go into it. But they weren't big on Bible study. They they looked at the the leader of the church who would preach to the church as the guy you want to go to about the Bible. Uh, it was really different than my evangelical friends who were all about reading the Bible together. And, and um, what, what ended up happening with these groups called witnesses, after a while, it, it just became so much of us looking at each other and thinking about each other without bringing God into it and his truth into it that I found it o- over time really just both discouraging and, and, and lacking in nourishment for what I felt I needed as a, as a, pretty much a baby Christian. Now, if you've got three very well uh, studied and experienced and suffering and joyful and, you know, if you've got saints who've been walking with God for 30 years that are encyclopedias of Bible knowledge, you're not going to necessarily need the same kind of thing that I needed when I was in college as a new Christian in that witness group. Because those people are going to inculcate truth over 30 years of walking with Christ. And as you talk with them, if they're walking with the Lord, it's going to come out of them. Truth's going to come out of them. But as a general rule, I just find it easier when I'm in these kinds of groups to not talk about the Lord and to not talk about his word and instead just talk about us. And there's a place for that. Like, just talk about us. In fact, in the DRs, that's the second point. It's life. Um, But the reality is we don't grow without God's truth. We don't grow without God's word. I'm not saying you have to put it in a, in a discipleship group, but if it's a discipleship group, you're discipling each other into relationships with Jesus. And when he said, make disciples of all nations, he followed that with teaching them to obey all that I've commanded. Teaching them about me and my word. And so if it's a discipleship group, if the goal is discipleship, you have to have Jesus in the group. It doesn't mean you can't be part of a wine tasting club or a You know, read Robinson Crusoe together, you know, or whatever book you might be thinking of, um, secular or, you know, non offensive. It doesn't mean there can't be a rafting group, you know, and you go with Christians. But if you're about to, if it's discipleship you're interested in, which is what the Lord's called us to, then Jesus has to be there in our thoughts and our words. And that's what he's called us to do as disciples, is to teach each other to follow him, to obey him. That's what the Great Commission tells us. And the word of God is, in Jesus' opinion, more important to our lives or as important as food and drink for our survival. Through his word, our Lord says he sanctifies us in John seven seventeen. That means he grows us through his word. Through his word, he says he equips us, prepares us to do good things and follow him. Through his word, he says he encourages and preserves us. In him, Romans fifteen five six. Through his word, um, we're actually called to let his word dwell richly in us and nourish each other with it. So that's why we encourage this component in this discipleship group of making intentional time to reflect on God's word. And how you do that is going to be up to the group, and it will vary if you decide to follow this plan. Um, one recommended option is: I used to write questions after messages on Sundays. I would finish Sunday, and by Tuesday, I'd send out a question three or four questions that would follow the sermon. I liked that for D- DR groups um, because it was a great way for 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 the church, I felt like, to take a deeper dive into a resource that they had already sat before, which was um, the preaching of God's word. So you're hopefully already familiar. No one has to do homework. Um, and you've listened to the message, and so why not try to drop down and go deeper into the message? Uh, we also post sermons, so you could, if you missed you know, you might be able to get one if it's posted soon enough. So I, I like that. I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm interested in seeing if there are dear groups that would want to do that. And if they do, I will make questions available. Perhaps your group might choose an agreed upon book of the Bible or any other biblically faithful book. There are some just great straight up Bible books. I'm running in here. This is weird, but I'm doing it because I want to show you one. um, This is, where are you, where are you? This is one of my favorite new series that have come out in the last few years. Um, It's called Whatever Book of the Bible It Is for You. So it might be Mark for You, or Luke for You, or Matthew for You, or Judges for You. And then it's written by these different people, Tim Keller or whoever they might be. This is great. This is a, I wanna use the, you know, it's a pooping great resource. I'm just, I'm such a big fan of this. We're using this for the youth devos. We're doing Mark for You. And it's just every, chapter summarizes a big section of the book, and then at the end of each chapter, you get three questions for reflection. And they make these for all kinds of, they make these for all kinds of books of the Bible, and they're really well done, and they're really accessible for, for, for people who aren't, you know, I didn't study theology or study the Greek language. That's not what these books are about. I'm doing one with the, ki- with the kids in, in Mark. They're also very nourishing. Like, the, the book I'm doing with Mark, completely feed me on my own, my own quiet time. So it's just, I just think these are marvelous. And if you can't afford one, we'll buy you one. Um, and um, there, like I said, there's all kinds of, so it's, it's, the, it's the For You series. I mean, I think it's called um, God's Word For You. If you want to look it up on Amazon, God's Word For You. But with Pam's help, I will send out a link to these books because there's a whole bunch of them. So you get one of these guys, and you want to do Mark or Galatians or Matthew, you, read, you can read the chapter in your group and talk about it in your group. So you, you will see how that works. Um, so again, I think whatever you choose, this is the bottom of one of, the, one of my pages, I think it's important to have a resource that's ready, that you don't have to invent each week and create each week with discussions, questions made ahead of time. So nobody has to come up with questions out of thin air before each meeting. Um, so let me see if I can get through this quickly without butchering it to death. So there is a responsibility for, for, for someone in the group, though, about this resource. And this is the last part I will say this morning. You want to have one person in the group who has, who has taken upon them the responsibility to know the resource and work on those questions so that when they come to the group somebody can help others along. And and y- y- you start that 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 person and I'm calling them the point, per, point person, we just invite prayer, ask for God's help, and then lead the group through this time of reflection discussion using that material. And, and listen, if you've got two good questions, you have probably way more than enough than you need. I mean, probably one good question will do it for a half hour. But I would say you just need two questions. So if you're doing a book like this or you're using sermon recap questions, just prioritize two questions and run them around the group. Uh, finally, as the meeting progresses over weeks and months, um, there is something else that the point person wants to do as you guys go through discussions. You want to you watch out that, that people aren't just sitting there. And not engaging at all, and you want to make sure that other people aren't dominating, you know, too much. Some of us, like me, are just big talkers. I'm, I really struggle as a discipleship group leader because of, you know, whether it's some combination of my ego and a teaching gift. I just like to fill up the space with my words, and that that's that's good if I'm preaching on Sunday morning. But it's not good if I'm in a group with two or three other people, and they need help. Thinking through and processing outwardly and expressing, and I'm just—I've got all the answers. and I want them to this. I want them to this. I gotta grow in, in drawing people out, and asking questions and listening. It's a, just a lifelong battle for me. Then there are other people who just—they have the opposite problem. You'll go through two meetings with them, and they'll maybe say one thing. You know, they need help being brought out and talked to and, and asked questions. And that's why you want to have. Questions ahead of time. You can ask each other. So that's just something that anybody who's leading these meetings needs to do. Um, listen, I see people nodding off, and it's okay. <laughs> I think this is this is not your typical Sunday, and what I'm doing is not typically what we do on this Sunday. So I believe that. Um, please know that I feel your pain as you nod off, <laughs> and and I'm going to come back next week. We'll talk a little bit more about truthing through this, and then we'll talk about the, the heart, of the, the, not the heart, but the, the part of the DR that takes up, I think, probably should take up the most amount of time, which is the life part, talking to each other about where we see God meeting us and where we need God meeting us, and, um, and then we'll, we'll close. So next week, I don't have that long intro, hopefully we'll get through this quicker, but let me pray for you guys and then release you and uh, ask God's blessing upon you.